Genesis 24. It is titled, A Wife for Isaac. And this is, I find this interesting because I had to go and I redid the, the math on how old Isaac must be. And I just wanted to double check because it just seems odd that a 37-year-old wouldn't go and, and be a part of this whole thing. And the way that Abraham is talking to his servant makes it sound like his servant is still in authority over Isaac. So it starts off with Abraham uh, getting older in years, which means that they're probably even further along, because uh, we know that uh, Abra Abraham is nine years older than Sarah. Sarah died at the age of 127. So Abraham is older than that, and then we don't know how far after that this is, because she's already buried, and, and then it says now he was getting older, so this might be a year after, two years, three years, who knows. So Abraham is quite old, which means that Isaac is probably in starting, like, either very close to his 40s or, or into his 40s. And Abraham talks to his servant and says, place your hand under my thigh, which is a, it's like a spit shake. Really, probably more serious and swear by the God of heaven and the God of earth that you will not take a wife for my son from uh, where we are now from the Canaanites but that you will go to the land of my family and take a wife for my son and and that's significant because they're they're right there they're that's uh, the his his nephew lot his daughters were engaged to people from town. They were, you know, they were intermarrying. They were, they were right there. That didn't work out for them, but, you know. Uh, so, so the servant says, what if she's not willing to come? And then Abraham says, an angel will go and make this happen. Um, he's going to make this happen. If it doesn't, you're not bound by this anymore. Uh, but make sure that you don't take my son there. Because the servant says, if she won't come here, should I bring your son there? And that, that would indicate not just like going there to pick her up, but like going there permanently. If she will not leave her father's house, then we move there and then they can live in the same city. And, and Abraham is really adamant. He actually says this twice. He says, make sure you don't take my son back there. He says, God will provide. If the woman won't follow you, then God isn't following through. Uh, but don't let my son go back there. So on uh, both ends of that part there, uh, verse 6 and 8, it says, do not take my son back there. And where is the there that he's talking about? So if you remember back, back, back here, back again, back again. Damn. A, okay, back in chapter 11. Here we are in 24. So back in chapter 11, Terah. Abraham's dad um, set out from uh, from the land of uh, where Ur, the land of Ur of the Chaldeans. He set out from there to go to Canaan. But he he went really far north, and then if you follow that path, it would go north, and then it would kind of cut uh, southwest. But he stopped, and they came to Haran and settled there. And that's the land that Abraham and Lot left when God called him in the beginning of chapter 12. And so uh, Terah lives up there, and his uh, one son that stayed there with him 
because he has he had three sons. One died, uh, and then Lot is that grandson that kind of took the place of that son. So one son stayed, one and then one and the grandson left, and so that's the land they're going back to. They're going back to um, that place I just said, Haran, uh, to get to get a uh, a wife. So he packs up, he heads out. And he went to the town of Nahor, which is the name of Abraham's brother, the one that stayed. And so that's a you know seems like a good sign. Like if your brother has a city named after him, there's probably got some descendants there. Um, and so he decided that he was going to go. So he went out intentionally to the well at the time when the women would normally go out and get the water, which would be early in the morning. It probably took several days to get there. Plus, he's got this huge caravan with tons of materials and stuff to give his gifts. So he's got, you know, he's got some armed guards to, to watch out on the road. I'm not making this stuff up. It says later that he has men with him. So that's, that's later. Um, so it, we're only hearing about the servant, but he's got this entourage with him. It's, uh, <laughs> you think of uh, Aladdin. So he's riding in. He's got all these donkeys and gold and presents and stuff. And he's going to go and find a princess for the head of the household of this nation. Um, at this point, Abraham has a ton of servants and um, and livestock uh, and people that live there. So he prays to God. He says, God of my father Abraham, grant me success today. And he has this very specific thing. He says, I'm, I want to ask somebody for a drink of water. And the one who says, Here's a drink of water and let me feed your camels. Let her be the one. Now, he's not asking for something crazy. He's not asking for uh, a sign from heaven. He's not asking for any kind of miraculous thing. He's just It's a simple sign. And it, it's a sign that is showing hospitality and kindness and generosity. Because those are the traits that, that he would want as his master's wife. Because he's looking for somebody, somebody like Sarah. Um, maybe not in, in some of the other things that Sarah did, but but that she would be a good uh, leader among their people. And someone who has that kindness and hospitality even toward a stranger um, and toward this whole entourage of strangers. Um, I mean, that's feeding the camels. That actually makes some sense later. So, um, so it, before he finished speaking, there was Rebecca. And she was coming up and she was a, a virgin and she was beautiful and and she was carrying her water jug on her shoulder, and she came up and she drew water, and he asked for a drink, uh, and uh, and she gives him some, and then she says, "Oh, and let me get enough for your camels as well." And 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 right after he says that, she says that, um, uh, she drew water for all his camels, while the man silently watched her to see whether or not the Lord had made his journey a success. He was seeing if she was going to follow through. Because it's easy for us to start something, to say that we're going to do something, but then not follow through. I mean, that's like, that's the story of why, why, they're, why they're in Haran to begin with. It's because her grandfather left her land, just like Abraham left, and traveled on his way to Canaan, but he stopped. He fell short. He did not follow through. And he set up camp in Haran. And then God called Abraham to leave the rest of his family 
and Abraham left, but he brought his he brought his nephew with, even though God said leave. There's only there's only four of you: your dad, your brother, your your nephew, and you. I want you to leave your family and your your relatives and to go with me to a land I will show you. And Abraham didn't follow through for a while, and he wandered around, and then finally he got rid of Lot, and he actually did follow through, and so. Um, so the servant is watching to make sure that she follows through, and she does. And so, uh, and so he took a gold ring, and he puts it in her nose. You don't see that in this verse, but you see that, you know, it's a super long chapter, but keep in mind that, like, half of this is a retelling of the first half. So the, this story happens twice. It happens once right here, and then uh, later he actually retells the entire story uh, to uh, Laban and uh, Bethuel and... I don't know if Nahor was actually there, but to all of these people, he retells the whole story. So later on, yeah, that's where we can get extra details, which is fun. So he puts this ring in her nose and two bracelets weighing 10 shekels of gold. And what is 10 shekels of gold? That's like, together, that's like half a pound. So this is not like, it's not like, you know, five pounds, five pound weights, but they're, you know, they're not, they're not super thin. They're, you know, they're real gold. And then he says, uh, whose daughter are you? Can I stay in your house? And she says, I am the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, who she bore to Nahor. Um, and we have plenty of straw. Come stay the night. So she is the granddaughter of... Uh, yeah, the granddaughter of Nahor, who is Abraham's brother. And so the servant is just blown away because it's the first person he's talked to on the first day. Um, and he, as you see later, he, you know, he is willing to really see this out and, and go through some difficulty to make this happen. And so he bows down and worships the Lord. Um, and so, and he says, um, praise the Lord, the God of our master Abraham, who has not withheld his kindness and faithfulness from my master. The Lord led me on this journey to the house of my master's relatives. Like he's right there. Like he was he was going to that city. But if you go to a city, like you're you're not gonna meet necessarily in the morning the first person, you know, somebody of the the ruling class of the the people that are actually in charge. Like there's so many like you think of Abraham's household. There are so many servants and sons of servants and daughters of servants and you know people that are guards and people that are herdsmen and people that are accountants. And, you know, there's just, there were a lot of people there just to run the operation that lived there. That was their home. But Abraham only had one son that was there. Um, his other son was off in the woods, off in the woods, off in the desert. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so, <clears throat> so he just, he praises God. And then um, she runs back and he, you know, and then uh, Laban, her brother, comes out and and says, yeah, come on, we got we got room, let's make this happen. And so, and this is where he says they get, they get water to wash the feet, his feet and the feet of the men with him. And then they sit down for a meal because it's, uh, it's, it's meal time apparently. And, and the servant says, I will not eat until I have said what I need to say. So Laban says, go ahead, speak. Laban takes a really big role here as the brother of, uh, of Rebecca. I think he's defensive. He's he's protective. I mean, this is this is his little sister. Um, 
And so then uh, the servant goes into this, this speech. He basically retells the entire story. He says, I am the servant of Abraham. And all this stuff happened to Abraham. And then Abraham sent me here with these specific instructions saying that God was going to provide a way. I asked God for this very specific thing and this very specific thing happened. And so I gave her gold and, and, and this is where we are. There's like all of this lead up and this is, this is where we are now. And he, at the very end of it, he says, um, 49. Now, if you are going to show kindness and faithfulness to my master, tell me, if not, I will go elsewhere. And so even at this point, even, even after all this has happened, he's, he's like, I, I can go to another town and I can find another family related to Abraham. There's, there's plenty of relatives out there. Um, but are you going to show kindness and faithfulness? Uh, and that's actually the same, the same, the same phrase as when you bow down and worship God. God, you have shown kindness and faithfulness to your servant Abraham. And so he's basically saying, are you going to join in what God has already done in doing this work? And, and they say, this is obviously from God. Like we can't, we can't not. Like, after hearing that story, uh, take her and go. Um, and so then he bowed to the ground, and he brought out gifts, and he just lavished all these gifts on them, and they ate and drank and spent the night. And in the morning, he got up and said, send me to my master. Let's go. And her brother and mother said, let the girl stay with us for about 10 days, then she can go. And so... I, I've heard I've heard people preach on this before, and and they're like, oh, they're resisting God, but I mean, think about this. This guy shows up out of nowhere, and and says, let like I'm going to take your daughter, and you agree that it's like, yes, God God made this happen. But can we have ten days to say goodbye? Like we're probably never going to see her again. Let's can we have ten days to say goodbye? To I mean, wedding feasts last longer than that. Like they're not even going to be there for a wedding. Like, she's just disappearing one day. And so they're asking for something pretty reasonable. But the servant responds, do not delay me, since the Lord made my journey a success. And so they're like, well, let's go talk to the girl. Interesting, they call her a girl, not a woman, um, because she's not married yet. She's, uh, she's young, she's a virgin. So they call her a girl, not a woman. And so they go to Rebecca and they say, will you go? And she says, yeah, let's make this happen. Which is awesome. Like that, I, that's not the response that you would have expected. Because like she would have wanted to say goodbye to her mother, to her family. Like, again, like it, she's not expecting to see them ever again. And so they blessed Rebecca, saying, Our sister, may you become thousands upon thousands. May your offspring possess the gates of your enemies. Then Rebecca and her young women got up, mounted camels, and followed the man. So the servant took Rebecca and left. And then uh, Isaac came back from this other place. He was he was doing stuff, and he was out in the field working. And uh, and the caravan comes up over the over the hill, and Rebecca saw him and said, "Who is that?" And the servant said, "That is my master." She took her veil and covered her face. And then um, Isaac brought her into the tent of his mother, and took Rebecca to be his wife. And so then they were married. Uh, and yeah. I'm not sure why that part's there. Maybe more digging in would help, but it's uh, it's been a while already. Um, one thing, big takeaway for me out of this, is that the the servant, 
Ooh, I, I really wish he would have had a name. So the servant, he was accustomed at this point to immediate obedience wherever God was concerned. Because he, at, at the very least, he saw that in Abraham. That when God spoke to Abraham and said, do, do this thing, that Abraham didn't hesitate. He didn't wait. He did it the same day. When he circumcised his entire household, the same day. Um, when, when, God, when God told him to do stuff, he followed through. Not, not early on, but the, over his lifetime, he started realizing that like, when God says do something, you, you make it happen. You do it right then. You don't delay. But uh, Laban, Rebecca's brother, uh, Bethuel, her dad, Nahor, the brother of Abraham, and Terah, they, they were used to following in the footsteps, footsteps of Terah where he set out to Canaan, but he stopped partway. He didn't follow through. He didn't listen to God's word and do it fully, immediately. And I think that's something that we can take for ourselves, is that Sarah, uh, Sarah followed through. She trusted her husband. And here we see Rebecca, too. She's saying, I'm, I don't need 10 days. This is clearly from God. I am willing right now to drop everything. We're, gonna, we're just going to pack up and go. And we're not going to take days to do it. We will do it today, this day. No delay, immediate obedience, and fully. And that's the kind of, that's the kind of person that, that needs to be, that we need to be. That, that's the person that, that needed to be in Abraham's line, is people who are faithful and who fear God and who are willing to fully follow through immediately and thoroughly and we can do the same